Welcome back, students of the dojo. This week, we're continuing our look at Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the newest addition to 5e Dungeons & Dragons. This go-around, we're looking at the optional class features of the Druid. Support the Dungeon Master's Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD and buy us a beer or three or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Scott, Bill, how's it going this evening? Hello, Lou. Not bad. Hi, Scott. We're, hi, how are you? Good, good. I was out in the solarium. We need a druid. Yeah, I wasn't very good about maintaining any of the lawn care uh, this summer. <laughs> so uh, any any druids out there, um, email us. And uh, we have no money to offer you because uh, we're poor. Um, but we have fruit. <laughs> I, I think you're stereotyping druids now. I think we're going to talk about some new druids. New druids, you say? Well, additional class features really so they're new they're new yeah, yeah. we're hugging trees this week with the druids <laughs> <laughs> all right um we're talking about the op- the optional class features for the druid yeah you gain class features in the player's handbook when you reach certain levels in your class this section offers additional features you can gain as a druid unlike features in the player's handbook you don't gain these features here automatically Make sure you consult with your DM and decide whether you gain a feature in a section and if you meet the level requirements. Uh, These features can be selected separately from one another. You can use some, all, or none of them. So, additional druid spells. Nice place to start. Before we go any further, the earlier versions of D&D, the druid was like the red-headed stepchild of the spellcasters. They were the weakest I think the Druid of the past is like the Ranger of today. The Ranger of today is one of the weaker classes, in my opinion. Aragorn's yeah. rolling around in his grave. It's like the <laughs> original. I, I, I do uh, remember the Druid of old with very little in the way of fondness. Yes. Um, it, was a, it was a strange class. Well, I played the Druid because no one else wanted to. And that was how I picked most of my characters. I... I'm an outdoorsman, and I took that knowledge along with me when I played my druid character, and I made them into a little bit more than what the books said they were, just out of role play and and me as a person having a lot of knowledge about the outdoors. 
But when it came to spell casting, they were inferior in every manner, shape, or form. I think they were just inferior in general. It, it was it was it looked like <laughs> it was a um like a hodgepodge of different things. It was just it was bizarre stuff. You know, it was it was you could only use wooden weapons, except for a scimitar. Scimitar, <laughs> you could, you know, uh, if you had a scimitar, it was perfectly fine to or, lop or limbs off or a sickle. Um, otherwise, you had to beat people to death. You just you couldn't use anything metal. The spells were the spells were flaccid at best, mm-hmm. and then like they had no they had no druid hierarchy really. You, they had one like lead druid, and if you wanted to be like the head druid, which meant you had to be like fifteenth level or whatever, you had to go find the head druid and fight him to the death. The hierophant, the hierophant, yes, yeah, and and then you could be like sixteenth level, but you couldn't. So it was. It was it was. I don't know if they wanted, you know, kind of like a, a, a peaceful naturalist, or if they wanted someone sacrificing babies on a stone altar. I, I just feel like they didn't really know what they wanted to do with the druid of old. Yeah, the, the, the druid of old uh, compared to today is to remind me of like the paladin of old to what's there today. Yeah, and uh, to clarify what I, what I was saying about the ranger being subpar on a lot of classes, if you're just looking at the player's handbook. Those three are, are a couple subclasses for the ranger. I think are very inferior to yeah, all the other class. No, they're not. Yeah. They're boring. They are. If, it wasn't until um, Xanthar's and Ta- until and Tasha's ranger got, got a little, yeah. a little bit of coolness, not yeah. too much. Yeah, uh, like the bard of second edition, which uh, I don't know. I just think of Donnie Marie. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. He didn't know what he wanted to be the bard of well, of old. The bard, yeah. He grew up in now. He, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. I'm a little bit thief. I'm a little bit warrior. I'm a little bit magic user because they didn't have wizards back then. It was a magic user. Yep. Someone who used magic, magic. just like um, fighters. That's what we do. We fight. But we're talking about the druid. Let's we are talking on, about the druid. So let's let's start putting some daisies in some of the barrels of some of the artificers' guns, shall we? Let's talk about <laughs> the uh, let's talk about the druids. Here we go, Captain Stereo Stereotype. All right, let's go over some of the spells, shall we? Let's first level protection from good and evil. Not bad. No. Second level augury as a ritual. Continual flame. Enlarge, reduce. Summon beast, which isn't bad at second level. Third no. level, third level, aura of vitality, elemental weapon. I happen to like that one. Revivify and summon Fay. We have a summoning theme going on here. We yep. do. Fourth level, divination is a ritual. Uh, fire shield and summon elementals to maintain the theme. Fifth level, cone of cold. Sixth, flesh to stone. Seventh, symbol. Eighth, incendiary cloud. That's my favorite spell. Shocking. But, Lou, why? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it's that It's so out of character for you. Um, yeah, so there's your, your first level druid features. On to second level. Yeah, you get a wild companion. That's that's pretty cool. I we, like. We already like have it. one. We, yes, we do. That's the wild card. I was thinking sin. <laughs> oh, there you go. Someone... Someone was drinking when they cast the Summon Fae spell, and we got ourselves <laughs> sin. Um, wild Companion, you, you gain the ability to summon a spirit that assumes an animal form. Nice. It, it's it's kind of like the Find Familiar, but still pretty cool. Yep. Um, 
You can expend a use of your wild shape feature to cast the find familiar spell without material components. So that's pretty nice. When you cast the spell in this way, the familiar is a fey instead of a beast, and the familiar disappears after a number of hours equal to your druid level. That's... I, 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 uh, I'm not sure if I like because you have to give up one of your wild shapes. I guess I'm used to playing the moon druid where the wild shape is very important. Yeah, it's my favorite and druid. And for me to give up uh, one of my wild shapes just to summon a familiar for a little while, eh, not, too, it, not worth it in my eyes. It doesn't... It doesn't seem like an equal trade-off. No. No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like you're getting much out of the deal. Well, instead of a spirit, you get a beast. So uh, when you're a moon druid, you can be pretty much... You can be the beast. You can be the beast. Yeah, you won't have to look through anything's eyes. You can, you know, look through your own eyes. You could be whatever it is. So I don't I don't know I don't know that that's really all that that good. No, I don't think so either. That's something I probably wouldn't use. Cantrip versatility at fourth level. Uh, whenever you reach a spell in this class that grants the ability score improvement feature, you can replace one cantrip you learn from this class's spell casting feature with another cantrip from the druid spell list. Now, this is an ongoing theme with a lot of the yeah. stuff in Tasha's where you, when you get to a certain milestone, you find these cantrips that you're not using because your character has evolved in a different direction than when you started. You can now realign your your cantrips and spells. So that's... That's not a bad way to go. Now we're into druid circles. Yeah, uh, the good stuff. The good, the good stuff. stuff. Um, circle of spores. I I kind of dig the circle of spores. I don't know if it's because there's an awesome picture on the next page of the <laughs> he, gnome druid. He with his, found a picture he likes. Yeah, with the um, Bull- I don't know the 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 um, the Bullywug. Inuit looking druid looks pretty <laughs> pretty good. But I like the. I like the zombie, uh, the fungal zombie bullywug or giant bullfrog thing. Um, I think that's pretty neat. So this um, this circle of spores. This is the uh, this is the emo kid in in druid school, right? They find beauty in decay. You see within the mold another fungi the ability to transform lifeless material into abundant, albeit somewhat strange life. So that. That's uh that's pretty cool. They have this uh complex relationship with with the undead. Hmm. Um it complex is right. <laughs> yeah, it, it you know the the more I look at this the more I think yeah, this is the weird kid. They don't see anything really wrong with undeath. And uh well it's just a progression yeah, for them. It, yeah, it's 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 like a companion companion to life and death that that thing kind of like in the middle. Yeah, which would they embrace? Yeah, it's it's uh you know what this this almost reminds me of. I don't know if you've ever ever seen the the videos with the um it's the the fungus in like South America or something. Yes. that inhabits the ants and takes oh, them over and yeah, turns yeah. them into zombie ants and they end up with this big fungal mushroom thing sticking out of their head. Looks awful. But it reminds me a lot of a lot of this this sort of thing that kind of fungal with the, without the brain eating fungi coming sticking out of your head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do when you were mentioning complex, I do like the part that they the undead that seek to replace all life with undeath or try to avoid passing into the final rest violate the cycle and must be thwarted by these people. So it's not like they Yay, undead, I'm gonna I'm gonna gather me up some uh some zombies and a couple a couple uh skeletons and have a party. Uh, they it's you got those forms out there that are in their eyes bastardizing death. 
Yeah, it, it it's the 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 wickedness I think of the undeath mm-hmm. that is the, is is the thing. They're symbiotic linked to fungi, and you do you want to share a uh, share a, a shower with these? Be, you know, at the at the YMCA, <laughs> here comes the here comes the fungal druid. You know, you're leaving with athlete's foot after you after you get. You better have your shower shoes on. What was my analogy I, uh, that I gave you earlier when we started talking about this one? It was it was like ten minutes ago, and I've already forgotten. Okay. but it was a good one. All right, uh, Peanuts cartoon. Think of Pigpen. All right, now if he was a Pokemon and he evolved, this is what he'd evolve into. Yeah, yeah. That I don't know why that popped in my head when I first read it. I went, oh my god, they they glorified Pigpen. He finally got his just desserts. Pigpen was one of the most underrated Peanuts characters. Good for you, Pigpen. I think one of the best answers, though. And yes, <laughs> by far. And and congratulations on evolving. There you go. Uh, circle spell, second level. Circle of spore feature. Your symbiotic link to fungi and your ability to tap into the cycle of life and death grants you access to a certain spells. Uh, second level, you learn chill, touch, cantrip, uh, Third, fifth, and seventh, and ninth level, you gain access to the spells listed below. So we have an, another list of spells to go over. Um, second level, chill touch. Third, blindness, deafness, and gentle repose. Fifth, animate dead in gaseous form. Seventh, blight and confusion. Ninth, cloud kill and contagion. And... When you cast these spells, they they should have some sort of fungal theme to them, you know, like uh, uh, gaseous form. You know, how, like you, you hit some of those mushrooms and this 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 that little poof, the little puffballs yeah. comes, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. When you turn into a gaseous form, that's what it should be. It should be like a poof. You should just poof a little pop sound, yeah, into into <laughs> gaseous form. You know, cloud kill the same thing, contagion. Yep. Um, well, I can see contagion just this this almost like this brown vapor emanating from you and pooling around your feet and then kind of creeping its way out towards people really quite quickly. Yeah, you you get athlete's foot real bad everywhere. You get athlete's knee, you know, or or like a, a really a really yeah. bad yeast infection, <laughs> like all over, just all over. You know, it's it yeah, it's gross, but you know, so is the. So is the circle of spores druid. There should be some inherent grossness to it, you know, like uh, Radagast the Brown from those uh, god awful Hobbit movies. Uh, shame <laughs> on you, people, um, for making those and destroying that wonderful book in the process. Uh, but yeah, like Radagast, you know, he's got uh, he's got bird shit on him. You know, he's you know probably hasn't showered, and I can't see Ever. these being like squeaky clean individuals. You know, they're not. Yeah, no. Yeah, they're not using Axe body spray. They're uh, <laughs> getting caught in the rain as a shower for them. I could just see, like, streaks of, of of clean amongst the dirt, you know, after a rainstorm. Until they go rolling in the mud. Yeah. They're, like, perfectly fine with mushrooms growing out of their head and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, the, the cool, cool spells. Make them thematic, though. You know, make them, like, fungal-oriented. Just have a good time. Have a good time with it, yeah. Reminds me a little of the Gully Dwarves, kind of, from yeah, Dragonlance. Yeah, a bit. I'd never thought about that until you just said that. Yeah. It yeah. clicked. Um, Halo of Spores. At second level, you get this uh, uh, invisible necrotic spores. They're harmless until you unleash them on a creature nearby. 
Um, when a creature you can see moves into a space within 10 feet of you or starts its turn there, you can use your reaction to deal 1d4 necrotic damage to the creature unless it succeeds on a constitution saving throw against your spell save DC. So the damage increases to D6 at 6, D8 at 10th, and D10 at 14th. Not too bad. I don't know if I'd want, you know, in keeping with Bill's pig pen theme, you know, <laughs> I'd want I don't want this halo of spores to be like visible. Yes. Like well, a pile you know, of dirt yeah, around like, you. Yeah, it's well, like if, floating it, there. You know, you, you go through the forest, there's always pollen in the air. It just seems to be a little heavier around this guy. Yeah. There's always when you know when you're back lit a little bit, you can see it. Yeah, you know that dust in the in the sunlight, and when he goes to activate everything, that you have a it, like maelstroms around him. Yeah, so yeah, you know, starts coalescing yeah. into you know maybe runes or or something that in the air where you can just barely make them out and go. Oh, I don't know what it is, but this yeah. can't be good. Nope, it's gonna hurt. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> here comes the yeast infection. Here comes yeast infection. It's, that's gonna be rough in all this metal armor. You're not gonna be able to scratch. Someone um, get me a long stick. <laughs> All right, second level as well. Symbiotic entity. Uh, you gain the ability to channel magic into your spores. As an action, you can expend a use of your wild shape feature to awaken those spores rather than transforming into a beast form. And you gain four temporary hit points for each level you have in this class. While this feature is active, you gain the following benefits. You can deal your halo of spores damage roll the damage die a second time and add it to the total. So your D4 at, you know, early levels or D8, D10 gets doubled. Your melee weapon attacks deal an extra D6 necrotic damage to any target they hit. He obviously doesn't clean his weapons. Yeah, so you get that 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 fungal infection that goes with it. He's just gross, but I like him. They last for 10 minutes until you lose all temporary hit points or until you use your wild shape again. This is... I know Lou's going to say, oh, this is a bad trade-off as well, but this is the first step because this little halo of spores thing is a is a theme through some of the other levels. I'm not going to say it's a bad trade-off. But, uh, well, maybe a little bit. Is it leaving a bad taste in your mouth? Uh, <laughs> kind of dusty. <laughs> but um, it's, it's a different take on a druid. Um, and thematically, I think this could be played up a lot better than the moon druid or one of the druids from the land. Um, yeah. there, there's a lot more, you know, to be had with this druid. Yeah, you you, you are sacrificing your wild shape, um, but again, you're not playing a moon druid. You're playing a different druid, right? So, while this not may not be my favorite of all druids, I'd still, you know, would say this is an okay class because uh, thematically, it, it'd be pretty cool to walk around like like Bill said with this little greenish dust bowl ro- 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 rolling around you as you're activating your spores because you're getting pissed or whatever. Um, I think it would be pretty cool. Oh, but Lou, but wait, there's more. What? There is? There is. How much more does it cost? The, the fungal train has not stopped <laughs> rolling yet. I better At, get some athlete's foot cream on. <laughs> you, you better. Just, you need to air everything out. Um, I see him kind of smelling bad, too. You know, not like earthy and been out in the woods, but just like well, if, you, if you think about it, a lot of fungus is, you know, attached to de- that dead and decaying thing so it does have a kind of a rotted smell sometimes it, it does you know mm-hmm. and, and uh i i see him with layered clothes and stuff like that so there's plenty of dark moist areas for the fungus to kind of like okay, live let's in. move on please. um <laughs> think of these i work in a hospital so i 
infections. <laughs> They're there. They're you there. Know, yeah, um, at sixth level, your spores gain the ability to infest a corpse and animated it. Animated. On the topic of smelling bad, <laughs> now you have an animated fungal corpse. Um, oh, boy. Uh, if a beast or a humanoid that is small or medium dies within 10 feet of you, you can use your reaction to animate it, causing it to stand up immediately with one hit point. The creature uses the zombie stat block in the monster manual. It remains animate for one hour, after which time it collapses and dies. In combat, the zombie's turn comes immediately after yours. It obeys your mental commands, and the only action it could take is the attack action, making one melee attack. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier, minimum of once, and you regain all expended uses of it when you finish a long rest. Kind of neat, but it doesn't last long. No, but it, it gives you um, that chance to in, have run interference for you and your party. That it, that it well, yeah, could f- do. A foe drops, you just kind of stand by it, infect it, and the foe gets back up and starts attacking its friends. Wait, we just watched Bob die. Yeah. And now Bob's attacking us. You know, then they're, now they're looking for the necromancer. Well, if you think about it, this guy is kind of, Kinda. Kind of, but I think he's on the other side of the necromancy line. He's not yeah. really a necromancer. He's against the necromancer. Right. He's just using. But no, the, that's the first thing the party's yeah. going to look for. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. all right, like they have a necromancer. Which one's now they're looking for the tall elf? Yep. <laughs> well, just think about the, the moral uh, uh, challenges they have to face too, you know, yep. uh, or the morale, I should say. Well, yeah, you just saw your fallen comrade. Uh, reanimated as a corpse. I and again, thematics are are key. I would have a big like kind of fungal, mushroomy looking stalk of something protrude from you know just come busting through the forehead of whatever it was. So You're obsessed over those ants, aren't you? I I am because I I think it's uh I think it's very off putting. Well, have it just yell at them, just you know, but no sound comes out. Just the mouth goes out the other. It, it leers at them. The mouth opens as if it's going to yell, and this little wisp of brown spores comes out. Yeah, I. It, it's got to be something like really off-putting. You got to have something in there. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, what was, was it? Cre- Creep show or something? Stephen Stephen King did a movie anthology of a bunch of short stories he did, and there was one where like a meteor crashed. Oh, that was Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye, yeah. Was the name of the series, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Was it Cat's Eye where he walked out to where the meteor, meteor crashed and poked yep. at it with a stick, and then he ended up getting a bad, like, almost uh, fungal or mossy infection, and he turned into a a big pile of moss, and at the end of it ended up uh, shooting himself yep. because it probably sucked. I could see the whole zombie thing being kind of like, kind of like that. One half of the thing kind of covered with this, this just – fungus and at the end of the hour it it stops being animated because it just the fungus takes over the whole body took over and ate whatever it needed yeah um i can see that working just off-putting and i think it should be (laughs) off-putting oh no it gets better uh spreading spores at 10th level you gain the ability to seed an area with deadly spores as a bonus action with your symbiotic entity feature is active you can hurl spores up to 30 feet away where they swirl in a 10-foot cube for one minute. The spores disappear early if you use this feature again. If you dismiss them, there's a bonus action, or your symbiotic entity feature is no longer active. 
Whenever a creature moves into the cube or starts its turn there, the creature takes a your halo of spores damage unless the creature succeeds on a constitution saving throw against your spell save. The creature can take this damage no more than once per turn. While the cube of spores persists, you can use your halo of spores reaction. So you're doing your halo of spores reaction, which is your damage, on top of this, but basically you're hurling it a, a little bit of a distance away. So cover a hallway, I guess. I'd Set be, up a trap. That's what I would. That's how I would use it. Yep. And it doesn't last a long time, but if you're being pursued by somebody, a minute is a long time. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, th- think about it. It's only what six seconds in a, in a round. Yep, yep. So that that's plenty of time to get you to get. Or is it a yeah. turn? Six, ex- six, six seconds around. Six round. seconds around. Yeah. A, ten, a turn ten, is ten, ten, ten minutes. Ten rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I see this being, pra- you know, whereas not all Circle of Spores druids are probably out adventuring or, or, you know, battling it out with things, but I could see them in a forest setting using all these spore abilities to help the forest reclaim fallen trees. I was about to say the same thing. You know, uh, stuff like that to uh, kind of help help decay the trees, bring them back into the, part into of the, the part forest. Of, part of cycle, cycle of life. Yeah. Uh, you know, this being like a caretaker's uh, ability that they can weaponize if, if, if necessary. True. Yeah, the faster the tree decays, the faster the nutrients are in the ground, the faster the ground can, re, you know, reseed and, and regrow. That would be, yeah, I can see that. And you're right, it, these aren't, necessarily skills that are initially um, used as, for combat, but could very easily be weaponized for the protection of the forest or the, per, or the druid or or whatever animals he's, he's overseeing. And then at 14th level, you get the fungal body, which sounds dreadful. <laughs> um, you know, as far as capstone abilities go, this sounds... Like Just when you're awful. not really going to be striving for? Uncomfortable. Like I need to go see the cleric and get me some I need, athlete's foot cream. I, I got to get I gotta get some cream. The hell with gold bond? I want platinum yeah, bond. I need uh, <laughs> uh, the fungal spores in your body alter you. you. You can't be blinded, deafened, frightened, or poisoned. And any critical hit against you counts as a normal hit instead until you're incapacitated. So that's a that's a nice feature. Unless you're unless you're unless you're incapacitated. Put your glasses on. Yeah, unless you're incapacitated. Um. So not bad. Um. Again, I just I, I see them. I see them at this level, uh, just being real real splotchy, as far as skin tone goes. <laughs> I do, I do see, you know, like they, a they, blend they, of browns and yellows. Yeah, and greens. you know, there's, there's, they've been colonized by this point. <laughs> there's, that's a good. There's one. some fungal stuff going on there. Um, you know, this is the guy that you know when you make camp, everybody's going to want him to sleep on the other side of the camp and keep his boots on. <laughs> downwind, down, downwind. Yes. I mean, for your subclass uh, capstone, I mean, it, this is okay. It's not too bad can't be blinded you know or poisoned or deafened so you know i mean those are okay because yeah, it's not the greatest but it'll it'll do for your subclass uh, capstone can you imagine what his toenails must look like nope <laughs> <laughs> oh 
all yellow. Yeah, crumbly. <laughs> you know, just uh, this guy needs a spa day. That's what he needs. He needs more and than a, a podiatrist. Spa day. Yes. A, a good <laughs> soak and a seaweed yeah. wrapper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Antibiotic a, or something. Antioxide bath. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Stay off those bubbles. I. Yeah, he would he would bubble and sizzle like there like no tomorrow. Um, I I kind of dig him. I think I think he would. I would definitely put a a circle of spores druid in my fantasy forest campaign. Oh yeah, throw him in there along with your your fae and yep. I I think a either as a reoccurrent NPC or as a especially as a player character, I think it would be great fun. Yes. Um, to have that and that do that whole pig pen theme ben, Bill was talking about, <laughs> would, it'd be fantastic. How about as a big bad? As a as a big bad? Well, I don't see them as the big bad, but maybe an obstacle you need to get around. Well, maybe I'm not at this level being the big bad, but yeah. you know, when he gets up, when he gets his uh, cat, you know, his class capstone at twentieth level. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, they're pretty much all druids are pretty much. Unstoppable. I won't say they're unstoppable, but they're pretty tough. Yeah, I, I think um, you could easily transform this into the bad guy. Yes, you know the big the BBEG, the big bad evil guy. Um, it you know it 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 fits with. Uh, or if you're doing like you know uh, if you have another uh, big bad and he's one of the heels, you know that that kind of is employed by the big bad. That would work. Well, he could he as may, well. He may not even be. Um, the big a planned big bad. He, you know, he could be like you said, some uh, just take care of his his uh, grove, and the PCs come in without realizing and you know do something wrong, stepping and, on his mushrooms. And now well, they're gonna go in there and they're gonna be cutting down the woods. They're yeah, gonna be making camp, setting a fire. And they'll give them a warning. They're like, we need to, we know, we need to set up shelter. So you just go on your way. You're a little guy, and um, now they have somebody to contend with. Oh, that's how I. That's how I see this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see him setting out as as technically the big no, bad. No, no, but I mean, I can see how these, you know, through whatever happenstance, whatever story you put together, how they could turn into the big bad evil dude, uh, where that that boundary between, um, okay, you know, I have no problem with the undead as long as you're not trying to bypass the circle of of decay and death, and and all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe it's not so bad if you extend it just a little bit and. And that's how it starts. And before long, uh, okay, right, maybe Lichdom isn't all that bad. I mean, they do eventually die. and so Or just, you know, a resentment for all things green. It's like you live in a forest and you're like, you know what? I, I think I think a, a forest of mushrooms would be much nicer. Something dark and damp. and uh, Mushrooms and ferns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 smell of the forest is far too pleasant. We need something a little stinkier. Well, that's not even that. He just he pre- he appreciates the circle of life, and he's going to tend to it. Yeah. But I like this class, this subclass. I think you could have. I think you'd have some fun with it. He's probably lurking around Merkwood or Fangorn. Yeah. It's an okay. You're, class. you're making that face, Lou. It's an okay class. Like I said, if you wanted something different to play, um, thematically, this guy could be okay because. You know, he has the pig pen thing going on. But for me, that's really it. You know, for, I would still rather play my moon druid over this guy. I like the I like the moon druid, but, you know, it's nice to nice to step away and, and 
do something a little different. Lou's not real big about stepping away and doing things different. Oh no, though. there's a there's a druid I like in here, but this this one is not it. Is it the Circle of Stars druid, Lou? Yes, it is. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about the let's Circle of Stars. Let's talk about the Circle of Stars. Take it away, Bill. Circle of Stars allows the druid to draw on the power of starlight. These druids have tracked heavenly patterns since time immortal, immemorial, discovering secrets hidden amongst the constellations. By revealing and understanding the secrets, the Circle of Stars seeks to harness the powers of the cosmos. Ooh, how existential. Many druids of the circle keep records of the constellations and the stars' effect on the world. Some groups document these observations in megalithic sites, which serve as enigmatic libraries of lore. These repositories might take the form of stone circles, pyramids, petroglyphs, and underground temples. Any construction durable enough to protect the circle's sacred knowledge, even against a great cataclysm. I can I could get behind these these guys because um you know we have we have one of those great repositories of knowledge underneath the dojo, the Lyceum, of course. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I, I get it. You know, I mean we're not tracking stars or anything. Uh far more important things are tracked in in the Lyceum. Uh, which we can at this point divulge. Yeah, they're related to D and D though. Yes. Um but and that's bro- all, all and, we and can brewing. Say. And and brewing. Uh, so let's talk about the star map. At second level, uh, you create a star chart as part of your heavenly studies. It's a tiny object that could serve as a spellcasting focus. For your druid spells, you determine its form by rolling on the star map table or by choosing one. Choose one. Choose one, yeah. Choose one. Um, while holding this map, you have you have the following benefits. You, you know the guidance cantrip, and you have the guiding bolt spell prepared. It counts as a druid spell for you, and it doesn't count against the number of spells you can you can have prepared. So that's pretty nice. Freebie. Yeah, you can cast Guiding Bolt without expending a spell slot. Nice again. Mm-hmm. You could do so a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a, a long rest. Repeating now, freebie. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. If you lose the map, you can perform a one-hour ceremony to magically create a, a replacement. Um, the ceremony can be performed during... A short or long rest, and it destroys the previous map. Um, it gives a few examples here, and they're not too bad, but I thought of a couple of well, that, others that, as that well. That was the one downside. I mean, I really like this class, but that's the one thing um, that I wish or hope that was it a coast or even the DMs was just expand on this uh, list that we're about to go through. Because I think it could be a, a little bit more. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, I would. I would. Um, I would do something similar to the crystal number five. I, I just think a a um, a necklace with a just a highly polished black orb um, in it, and when you when you look at it, you can you can make out uh, tiny specks of light, but when you hold it up to like moonlight or something like that, or on a moonlit night, you could project pretty much a star map onto a flat surface or whatever. Um, and as far as the magical ceremony goes, it's like you need to do something a little bit more than I perform the magical ceremony. You know, you should have some of the, you know, components of whatever. Link it up to an astronomical happenstance. Yeah. A you, solstice, uh, an eclipse, a comet going by something. Yeah, but do not just, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm going to, I'm going to chant and, and poof, it's going to appear in my hands. I just think that's kind of lame, you know, do, do something where, you know, you have to maybe recraft the, uh, item of jewelry and then, and then perform your ritual on it. Or you have to, you have to write some sacred runes down on the scroll or, or whatever. It's gotta be something or, or draw one of the constellations, but make it, um, to scale. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that way you, know, you have a little something. Um, it's not too out of, out of this, uh, the realm of what you, which you are, because you are circle of the stars druid. And so, you know, you need to find a, a, a constellation and draw it out to scale. So, you know, you, know, you need your special uh, ink, your quills. It could be a special quill you need as well mm-hmm. just to get it all drawn on that map. Yeah, it, it, it should be more than just I cast the ritual. Right. Well, that and there's a lot you can do with it. I mean, it, it, you have a scroll, you have a stone tablet, uh, a speckled owl bear hide tooled with marks. I mean, that could be any hide. A collection of maps bound in ebony cover, a crystal but Jack starry patterns when placed before a light. That one's not too bad. Glass discs that depict constellations. I can see those things breaking all the time. When I went through this list, the first thing that jumped to my mind was the Viking uh, sunstone. Okay, yep. Yeah. Uh, but as a moonstone instead. So even on cloudy nights, looking through the stone, you can still see the constellations. I see, and I would do something where you combine number five and six together. Yes. Yeah, when... When I when I went through this list, the first thing that jumped out was like number two, and I saw Mel Brooks dressed as Moses in the History of the World Part One. I He's fifteen. Fifteen, and one Oops, falls and breaks. Ten, ten, ten commandments. <laughs> Epic moment. Yeah, this is the stuff that goes through my mind. And for the young folks, uh, watch some of these Mel Brooks movies, please. Please don't be offended because they're pretty offensive today. I was like, today I, just, I watch them. I couldn't believe they got away with some of the shit they did. But um, <laughs> Young Frankenstein. Blazing. Yeah. Young Frankenstein is quite literally my favorite movie yeah. of all times. I just, you know, but Blazing Saddles is another great one. Incredibly offensive. Oh, yeah, but it was made specifically to yeah. be offensive. So just keep that in mind. It was done on purpose. Wow. Okay. Uh, second level, starry form. As a bonus action, you can expend your use of your wild shape feature. Sorry, Lou, to take on a starry form rather than transforming into a beast. I'll say this is the one I like. While in your starry form, you re- you retain your game statistics, but your body becomes luminous. Your joints glimmer like stars, and glowing lines connect them on a star chart, as if it's on a star chart. This form sheds bright light in a ten foot radius and dim light for an additional ten feet. The form lasts for 10 minutes, good time, and ends early if you dismiss it, no action required, or incapacitated, die, or use this feature again. Whenever you assume the starry form, choose which of the following constellations glimmer on your body. Your choice gives you certain benefits while in the form. They give you three forms here. Uh, Archer, the constellation of an archer appears on you when you activate this form, and as a bonus action on your subsequent turn while it lasts, you can make a ranged spell attack hurling a luminous arrow that targets one creature within 60 feet of you. On a hit, the attack deals radiant damage equal to 1d8 plus your wisdom modifier. That's pretty cool. It is. That's neat. Um, And then there's the chalice. So the constellation of a life-giving goblet appears on you. 
Whenever you cast a spell using a spell slot that restores hit points to a creature, you or another creature within 30 feet of you can regain hit points equal to 1d8 plus your wisdom modifier. That one's another, That's nice, another good nice one. little yeah. good buff. Then there's Dragon. A constellation of a wise dragon appears on you when you make an intelligence or wisdom check or a constitution saving throw to maintain concentration on a spell. You can treat a roll of 9 or lower on a d20 as a 10. Automatic 50%. Yep. When I read this, uh, and I don't know why, the first thing I thought of was this being in like uh, one of those uh, Saban TV shows, you know, with like uh, like the Power Rangers where they're taking on all these forms. You know, everybody's got a different colored outfit on and they're, <laughs> they're extremely animated. And, uh, you know, it's dubbed over. I don't know why, but that's all I see when I think of the this this circle of stars druid is you know there's got to be a trio of them, and they're all glowing and. Well, and this one, this is an, one of the other shortcomings. I think you know the the constellation chart needs to be expanded on this one, um, and I yes. could see this being yeah. a pretty you know you could give a constellation for instead of uh, throwing the the light as an arrow, you could do something with a, a bludgeoning like a hammer that you're throwing a different constellation. Or something, you know, some kind right. of well, spell. Well, you can either take the constellations that we know yep. or make up your own, you know. So there, there's, you know, the 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 the, the smith or the forger yep. or, uh, you know, like the old. Uh, Virgo's going to be a popular one with the rest of the adventuring <laughs> party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you can go into the Greek and Roman. So, you know, Vulcan is your, yep. the one that smithed all the gods. Uh, or several of the gods' weapons. So, I mean, you can go into a whole, all different kinds of theologies for references if you need to, or just make up your own. Cosmic Omen. That's a sixth level uh, feature. So, whenever you finish a long rest, you can consult your star map for omens. And uh, I just think of Thundercats. When you do so, roll, roll a die. Um, until you finish your next long rest, you gain access to a special reaction based on whether you rolled an even or an odd number on the die. So if it's even, it's wheel, um, W-E-A-L. Whenever a creature you could see within 30 feet of you is about to make an attack roll, a saving throw, or an ability check, you can use your reaction to roll a D6 and add the number rolled to the total. Or woe. Whenever a creature you see within 30 feet of you is about to make an attack, roll a saving throw or an ability check, you can use your reaction to roll a d6 and subtract that number rolled from the total. So you can use this reaction a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses after a long rest. That's pretty neat. A bardic inspiration, but on kind of the same level as a, yeah. as a bard when he starts off. Ish, yeah. 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 So, I mean, thematically, I think this guy's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so far, so good. Not bad. But then we have the Twinkling Constellations. Uh, the constellations of your starry form improve. The D8 of the archer and the chalice becomes 2D8. While the dragon is active, you have the flying speed of 20 feet, and you can hover. Moreover, at the start of each of your turns, while in the starry form, you can change which constellation glimmers on your body. That's cool. So I can see this one here. Starting off as a dragon, hovering up in the air, calling forth the cosmic omen to help and or hinder. Uh, yeah, that this sort could of be... omens give me sight beyond sight. <laughs> this is like for me. This is like a very cosmic character. Yeah, yeah, 
It, it, I'm not it, a. I got to tell you, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I'm not. That's your opinion. Yeah, it is. It is. It's just my opinion. Lou's getting all offended because he really like has his heart set on this. It's, it's fine. You can like it. I just it. It's not. It's not doing it for me. It's not like saying play me. I like the little fungus guy better. <laughs> but but you have the fourteenth level, full of stars. While in your starry form, you become partially incorporeal, giving you resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Take that. Meh. Meh. I just thematically I don't dig it. I don't. I mean it's 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 not a it's not a bad um it's, it's like Starman almost. I like it. Yeah, I, I thought Starman was lame. I, I did. I was just yeah. And Hawk the Slayer's not. Hawk the Slayer's badass. Go watch Hawk the Slayer. It's like the king of B movies. It's epic. Jack Palance was in it. He was like hundred and ten and did one arm push ups. You know, so let's see your Non-corporeal. Hey, where else can you find an automatic hand crossbow? That's right. (laughs) Nowhere. Nowhere. Phony. Hawk the Slayer. That's where you find it. Untrue. The Chinese made one. Okay. I'm not going to even argue that because that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go on to the next circle, shall we? Well, full of stars, really. You couldn't come up with something. It's it's like, ah, shit. I just do do it at at five (laughs) today. It's Friday. And, and it's it's four fifty seven p.m. And I got to get out of here because I got to run home. I, I I still have to uh, cut the lawn because I told the missus I would do it. I haven't done it yet, and I forgot to make the bed. She's gonna be upset. So all right, last thing I have to do is name it. Full of stars. Send. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. All right, I still like it. You can. It just doesn't do it for me. I like this one too coming up. But but this guy this guy would would fit. In that fantasy forest yes. campaign, very well, I think. Um, I think he would do Agreed. very well. I, you know, someone who who came from like a Stonehenge or yep. some other like uh, megalithic site, similar to something that you know from like a Stone Age period. Yeah, everything's made of big, heavy stones, yep. um, and you know that's pretty much his his uh, his laboratory. You know, massive stone. Uh, calendar, the Moai uh, staring off on the edge of the island. Yeah, you know stuff like that. I think thematically pretty cool. But I just I could do so. I wouldn't want to play him. I would make an NPC though, and see, I would play this and, guy. and DM the heck out of it. But well, you'll have your opportunity. I'm still waiting for you to run a game. Uh, well, we gotta get everybody. Yeah, we're back. all waiting <laughs> yes, for anybody to run a game. <laughs> At least something non-virtual. I can't play the virtual stuff. Virtual dice hate me. We we have you know what, and they like me, which is which is nice because completely it's completely opposite of normal. We've been we've been playing with we've been playing with Dave <laughs> from Retro RPG Reviews on, on on Friday, and have been having a play. It's actually it's it's a good time. I it it is a a really good substitute right now for sitting at a table. Um, it's the best you could do, really. I mean, it's it's one step above solitaire. Because virtual dice hate me. Um, I rolled three freaking ones in a row. It was that never. It was crazy. I died. I had my moment. I was like, "Ha! Now you know what it's like being me, Bill." <laughs> <laughs> and I believe he said exactly that too. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did, and uh, I was drinking, so I was feeling pretty malicious. <laughs> And uh, I was rolling the heck out of those digital dice. You I think were. it was because it, I wasn't touching it. I had like 
the mouse in, uh, the mouse and and like every satellite orbiting the planet in between me and the dice. So all my bad juju was was dissipated by the time those uh, fake dice clacked across the the screen. Which of my is exactly computer. the same reason why mine wouldn't roll well. Ha! I couldn't use my my mana. Circle <laughs> of wildfire. I love the digital dice. I'm getting a set. <laughs> we have some on D and D Beyond already. We we do. I'm going to use them next time I run. All digital dice. Watch it. It's going to be epic. Continue with the circle of wildfire, please. Yeah, so uh, these guys, uh, they understand that destruction is sometimes the precursor to creation, uh, such as when a forest fire promotes later growth. They bond with a primal spirit that harbors both destructive and creative power, allowing the druids to create controlled flames that burn away one thing but give life to another. Uh, thematically, I I dig this. I I do too. I see this as as you know like the, a wise teacher kind of druid almost I don't know almost like Native American kind of I could see him in like I don't know why but I could see him in you know uh, like like buckskin I could see him walking amongst like a, a forest fire like nothing is really going on um, just being very comfortable in, in the destruction and and helping to nurture the land. Okay, when I read this, the first thing that popped to my mind was that. Little Oriental dude that brought Conan back from the dead, Mako. 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 Yep. See what what I thought was um from the Avatar of the Fire Nation. Yeah, I actually I thought I thought of I thought of Lou has finally found yes. a destructive class <laughs> yes. that is actually beneficial. Um, so well, this class too. <laughs> well, it's it it's written as beneficial. We'll see how Lou plays it. Yeah, he'll he'll embrace the uh, the, the 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 fire ice. I I also see it kind of as a. Do you remember the uh, the stand? Yes. Yeah. The mini. I love the mini series, but the guy who was uh, Max Headroom back in like the eighties. <laughs> yes. Uh, he. He was like the pyromaniac guy that got Randall Flag took out of prison, and and you know he was uh he always had burn marks on him you know because mm-hmm. he was always playing with fire. I see this 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 druid kind of uh, not not necessarily being like Fire Marshal Bill from In Living Color, <laughs> but I see it as being like sort of like torch torchlight from the from the boys from the boys. <laughs> yeah, that's a great show. All right, so circle spells, second level, circle of wildfire feature. All right, you, you have formed a bond with a wildfire spirit, a primal being of creation and destruction. Your link in this spirit grants you access to some spells when you reach certain levels in this class, as shown in the circle of wildfire spell table. Once you have access to the one of these spells, you always have it prepared. It doesn't count against your number of spells you can prepare each day. If you gain access to a spell that doesn't appear on the druid spell list, the spell is nonetheless a druid spell for you. Not too bad. The list. Second level, burning hands and cure wounds. There's a... <laughs> a lot of them are like this. It's offsetting. I'm smiling. Third, flaming sphere and scorching ray. Fifth, plant growth and revivify. Seventh, aura of life. Fire Shield, Ninth, uh, now I know why you're smiling, Flame Strike, and Mass Cure Wounds. 
I like the uh, I like the kind of that that relationship with the fire spirit, and I think that should not be ignored at the gaming table. Nope. I I kind of see it as a I don't know a tenuous relationship, you know, where you're uh, uh, the the fire spirit may not necessarily be a I don't know a a, a beneficial thing, but you're u- utilizing the power for the benefit of of growing things. So I I would. Take the opportunity to present role play opportunities between the player and this fire spirit. Where, like, you have to wheel and deal. It's like your companion, almost, or not a companion, but like a, a your good and bad side on your shoulders. Yeah, it, all wrapped into one little critter. Yeah, kind of like a, a an unwilling benefactor at yeah. times, you know. But I think that that makes for like some some good role playing opportunities. Uh, down the road. Now, uh, speaking of the wildfire spirit, uh, you can summon the primal spirit bound to your soul. So as an action, you can spend one of your wild shape feature to summon your wildfire spirit rather than assuming a beast form. Um, so it appears in an unoccupied space of your choice uh, that you can see within 30 feet of you. Each creature within 10 feet of the spirit, other than you, when it appears, must succeed on a dexterity saving throw against your spell save DC or take 2d6 fire damage because you must be hot. Um, uh, the spirit is friendly to you and your companions and obeys your commands. See this creature's game statistic at the, the little wildfire spirit box with stats down there. It uses your proficiency bonus in, in, in several places. You determine the spirit's appearance. Uh, some take the form of humanoid figure made of gnarled branches covered in flame while others look like beasts wreathed in fire. So it, it could be, it could be cool. could be, you know, flavored, flavored nicely. I would, you know, this is a good role playing opportunity too, because I, I would probably, I would probably have the spirit be kind of a little pissed off. You know, I don't like coming to your, you drag me from yet. my plane to yours, you know, where it's, uh, there's no fire anywhere. And I get yelled at if I spread it. Yeah. And uh, now i got to burn all these people. Um, (laughs) In combat, the spirit shares your initiative count, but it takes its turn immediately after yours. Saves all that extra dice rolling. The only action it takes on its turn is the dodge action, unless you take a bonus action on your turn to command it to take another action. Um, That action can be one in its stat block. Um like flame seed, it's that's a ranged weapon attack, um, and fiery teleportation. Um, you can teleport up to fifteen feet to unoccupied spaces. You could see, and that uh, that's the spirit and each willing creature of your choice within five feet of it. So that's that's not bad. If you are incapacitated, the spirit could take any action of its choice, not just dodge. So while you're while you're not conscious, it can kind of do its own thing. You know, it has a little agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spirit manifests for an hour until it until it is reduced to zero hit points. Until you use this feature to summon the spirit again, or until you die. Got a question for you? Yeah. If the player character was to go unconscious, would I? I would think that the DM should take over the the spirit until the character is conscious again. Oh, I would. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. It is a. Uh, it is now my toy to play with. Yes. Don't go unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What could possibly well, that, I mean, happen? That, that's that's the way I see it too. Because you have yeah. no control over it, right? Yeah. So it, or, 
you know, it's got to, it has a mind of its own, but it's not really its own thing yet. Well, you're directing it. Yeah. You know, initially, because you have to take command of it. You yeah. have to tell it what action to do. Otherwise, it sits there and takes dodge action. So if your character is unconscious, why would you let your player basically yeah. run, you know, this little this little spirit running around? Because it's just going to keep doing what the player wants to do and not necessarily what it wants and, to and do. That's something the DM and, and the character should talk about at your sessions there. We're going to touch about that again dun, dun, dun. and talk about that. As always, so there's no surprises. Right. Yep, or surprise the hell I'm going to go, nope, I'll take over that. Yeah. So you have Enhanced Bond at 6th level. The bond with your Wildfire Spirit enhances your destructive and restorative spells. Whenever you cast a spell that deals fire damage or restores hit points while your Wildfire Spirit is summoned, roll a d8 and you gain the bonus equal to the number rolled to one damage or healing roll of the spell. In addition, when you cast a spell with range other than self... The spell can originate from you or your wildfire spirit. That's pretty cool. That's actually pretty cool. Uh, so if your your wildfire spirit is sixty feet out, and your spell only has a range of thirty, and well, now you've got a reach of ninety, or you can sandwich it in between because you have an action. The bonus action is the wildfire spirit, so you could have a little fun with that. Yeah, I think you could have a great deal of fun with it. At uh, 10th level, you get Cauterizing Flames. You gain the ability to turn death into magical flames that can heal or incinerate. When a small or larger creature dies within 30 feet of you or your wildfire spirit, a harmless spectral flame springs forth in the dead creature's space and flickers there for a minute. So when a creature you can see enters that space, you can use your reaction to extinguish the spectral flame there and either heal the creature or deal fire damage to it. The healing or damage equals 2d10 plus your wisdom modifier. Not bad. You can use this reaction number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. And you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. I, get, I can see people, uh, other players, other player characters being both relieved and pissed by this because <laughs> um, I would... I would certainly have some scarring go. You know, you're cauterizing a wound, right? So you're closing up the wound, it heals you up, but now you got this nasty, nasty scar. Oh, uh, yeah, it's not one of those little clerical tickles where everything yeah. heals up and there's not a mark left. Not only that, I would even go a little further. Like if the the bad guy is down and I use that to um, create this flame, any magic items on them would be destroyed too. They would be consumed. That's how the, the, the flame would uh, get its strength from, from the magic items on it. That's what I would do. Well, it's it's the way I read it. It's technically basically manifestation of the loss, the soul that's leaving the body. Yeah, but the the, the, the flame is still going to consume whatever's there. Oh, it's going to consume there, and it definitely be you know um, at saving throws for the the you know for the magic items. Yeah, you're dealing with you're dealing with magical fire. Yeah, so, yeah so. like you know, like potions of healing or whatever that may be on them, or just mm -hmm. all the gold melting into one lump. Where it's almost yeah, because I mean, two d ten plus your wisdom modifier that could turn out to be some serious yeah, damage. At that point, you're talking maximum twenty five points of damage. Yeah, that's three hit dice. That's yeah. a, that's a lot of damage. So yeah, I could see you know definitely you know forcing any magic items to to make a saving throw and mundane items being destroyed or at least the the leather and the uh, the wrap the wood wrapping or handles or stuff like that on things would be destroyed. Packs would be destroyed. Clothes would be destroyed. Yeah, remember that flame stays there for about a minute. Mm hmm. So that's enough to destroy her, you know, pretty much. Well, the whole body's not in flame. It's right. a small flame that hovers there, but that's enough to freak people out because, you know, one of your foes dies and he's got the magic item or, or something and one of the other 
Bozer comes running over to get it. Oop, within five feet, snuff, boom. I'd have like the 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 healing properties be like uh, in uh, two mules for Sister Sarah. Remember when Clint Eastwood he got shot? I don't know if it was like with an arrow or a bullet or something like that. And Sally Field, I think it was Sally Field, poured like gunpowder, gunpowder in there and lit it on fire. And, you see the and there was like flames shoot up, shooting out, back. out the back. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah, something something like uh, something like that. You know, a little a little bit dramatic, uh, a lot uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> I just. I think it would work. I, I read that. I really like that one. Uh, Blazing Revival at 14th. Uh, bond with your wildfire spirit can save you from death. If the spirit is within 120 feet of you when you are reduced to zero hit points and thereby fall unconscious, you can cause the spirit to drop to zero hit points. Then you regain half of your hit points and immediately rise to your feet. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. That is huge. That is very yeah. half yeah, your hit nice. points. Yeah, yeah, that's big. Up and you're all you're sacrificing something that's only kicking around for what an hour, anyways. Exactly. It's and it's your wild shape too. If it, you yeah, really think yeah. about it. Yeah. So there you go. That's 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 the druid. I I think and I know it's gonna it's gonna sound tropey, but you know, uh, um, every one of these I think would would be a nice fit in in a fantasy for a setting. And you know, it is tropey to put a druid there but really where else would they be you know i guess you could have urban druids and stuff um but i would see these being part of like a um a a greater circle of 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 druids like a council that meets at some some site um and it's their job to maintain this ancient forest it would be a, a druid from every discipline every circle out there you know everybody would have their have their role you know this this circle of wild wildfire druid would be um, in charge of like you know the rebirth after after a forest fire. It's I a natural s- thing. I see him working well with the the spores. Circle the, of spores. Both to, of them, yeah, the, and, you know in the same. I was just about to say, if you had both of these in a in a campaign together, they'd be feeding off of each other. If you really think about it, because they both represent the same thing. Or just about. And, and when you mentioned in an ancient forest, I could see this this in that particular circumstance. Not necessarily an ancient forest per se, an ancient forest that's at the end of its life cycle and a new forest is is ready to sprout, but it needs a little bit of help. So there's your, your spore druid comes in and along comes this one here, clearing out the chaff, knocking down the dead trees that have been standing and letting them burn and let them let the spore druid come in and seed the whole area to increase the you know the decay of the area so the new forest can come up. Well, yeah, even that you know that mycorrhizal fungi that's that's underneath the uh, the top layers of 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 the soil that helps to feed the roots of plants. I mean, it's all um, you know it's all like interrelated. You know, even even that uh, circle of the stars druid has their their place in there because they're reading the cycle of the constellations and they're they're probably like the timekeeper of the forest you know the different life cycles of and if of you expand on their um their constellation uh abilities you can actually give them one so they can help uh foster growth during the moonlight yeah yeah, yeah. you know use use like the the big dipper or something or the little dipper as their constellation for that like they would know when the when the big rains would come, yep. you know. So it's like, okay, well, the wildfires come, and then the big rains will come and wash out the wildfires, and um, that whole, you know, because even even in 
you know, an ancient forest is constantly in a state of renewal, you mm-hmm. know, I think, I think it'd be, you know, cool. Like annually you, all these druids get together and they, they deal with everything from the vegetation to the animals to, you know, the insects and, um, the ecosystems know. out of balance because the, the forest is so old there are a lot of insects and there's a lot of small game, but there's no large game because there's nothing for them to feed on. The The undergrowth hasn't grown up from being blocked by the giant canopies. The canopies are now gone. There's all these giant stalks. It, things are out of balance. Yeah, they would they would be the ones so to they, maintain So they the would send, send in a crew, with, including one of these, uh, or more than one of these, to nurture that and help along that decay so the the new forest could grow. Yeah, I think you could do you could do a lot with 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 these uh these classes or these sub you know subclasses in um in in a campaign. You know, they're in 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 the right campaign. I think you'd have fun with them even just dropping one or two of them in your in your regular campaign, but I think they would really shine in in something you know, specifically related to a druid or into a in a druid like environment, right? And that's what I was gonna I was gonna say. You know, during your session zero, before you pick one of these classes, make sure it's something that you're gonna want to play. Because if you're stuck doing, um, oh my God, I just had a mind a, blank. A lot of travel and a lot of urban stuff. Or not even just like yeah. if you're in caves all the time. Um, True. You know, you're, you're you're not gonna be able to really benefit from all your sub abilities. You know that. Uh, circle of spores may be a little bit, but the circle of stars may have some troubles because you can't see outside or whatever. And the circle of fire, if you're inside a stone, it's it's really worthless. Yeah, it's a little tough to burn rock. Yeah. So you know, just make sure it's the the right um, setting for you for your class and your subclass. Yeah, talk to your DM. I mean, he doesn't have to give you your, the entire plot of the scenario or the encounters or you anything can say like if that. It's good or not? But he'll look at it and go, you know, I don't think it's going to quite fit what I have planned. And and game masters be open. If it's something that he really wants to play or something you'd like to see, you know, a, a player test the waters with, then make it available. Nothing says you can't go underground and run into this massive cavernous area that, you know, How the, the, the old land that? of yeah. the lost kind of thing where it's like, oh, wow, there's actually a whole ecosystem down here that he might have, you know, help to slow down something or speed something up or assist in some way. So try to make room for him. Yeah, and and uh, you know, like Lou said, that session zero is key. You don't have to tell them everything that you're planning on doing, but you could give them the theme, where it takes place, and then you know, is is it going to fit? And uh, if it doesn't fit, let your player know. But if the player is insistent, as Bill always says, ask them for justification. Okay, how's it going to fit? Why are you here? You know, why wouldn't you be somewhere else? You know, explain it. Write it into your backstory. There you go. And that's a look at the Druid class and the optional class features for the Druid. See you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.